Welcome back to another Tonic Discussion. Today, we are talking about everything from persuasion to rhetoric, propaganda, truth. What's the differences? What are the similarities? Um, how does it have to do with writing, everyday interactions? That's what we're going to try and talk about. And it might get meandering because it's a complex topic. Uh, and all those words do mean different things to different people, loaded with connotations. And so uh, we'll try and get into it. First off, uh, I want to pass it over to Mark because before we were uh, talking, he was saying something really interesting about how, you know, you can get into a conversation with somebody and, you know, get to a point where it's like you feel like you're, you're making a good argument, you know, the argument is, is resonating, but then you get to this point where it's like, well, I honestly, I don't really care about that. I'm trying to go on with my day and uh, Mark, pass it on to you and let you expand on that. All right. So. Uh, so the way that I kind of look at it when I get in a conversation with someone about a topic of substance, it's something along the lines of this. I think it goes, it, it, it goes something like uh, a person, first of all, I think everybody wants to have an opinion that matters about things that matter. Like at the baseline, um, there's something, there's something in our nature where if we're asked a question, the last thing we want to do is say something like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's almost like the elemental human cuss word. Um, because to say, I don't know is to admit to some sort of weakness, um, uh, like a deep weakness, not just a, a weakness in one area, but a weakness in, um, in being almost like, so so if we were talking about something like I, I, I mentioned the anecdote of masks before, like I had an experience recently at a hospital um, where uh, it was, uh, you know, it was it became very clear that like a lot of arguments, uh, say pro masking arguments are deployed for the reason of a kind of a an armor or a, sh a chaff or a camouflage against something which most people don't want to admit to themselves. So, so that's something would be something along the lines of, I know that this doesn't make sense. You know, I know that ultimately something's wrong with this, but because I also want to get through my day because I don't want to lose what little I have um, because I, and I, and I also don't want to hold myself out to potential uh, social, uh, you know, um, ostracism or to some sort of opprobrium by like, by, by strangers or by people that I know, like, in other words, like there's this, there's this instinct to say, I need to have an argument ready to go. I need to defend whatever it is I want to do at the moment for whatever reason. And when you peel that away, like, you know, if you, if you, if you haul out studies, if you haul out evidence, if you, provide a very detailed explanation about, you know, why what you're saying makes no sense. Um, if you do that one by one, um, ultimately, I think, and most of the time I've found that at the bottom of it, what they will do is they will kind of throw up their hands and say, you know what, I didn't really care about this to begin with, you know, and, 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 and it's, it's such a, deflating feeling like once you once you scratch away that surface and you because like these people aren't necessarily bad people they're not they're not necessarily stupid people they're not they're in many cases they have like qualities that are that are admirable 
But but when you peel all that away and you see that sort of, I like to call it a kind of an elemental terror in their eyes when they realize that like the weapons I was provided, the armor and shields that I was provided were not worthwhile. They were not proofed properly. Um, uh, then you see like this, this underlying nihilism in all of it. Like you see, like you see, you know, mankind sort of stripped naked where it's just sort of like, because, because the fact of the matter is like very few of us know more than a little about a very few topics when we get right down to it. You know, like when we talk about etymology or uh, uh, ontology uh, or epistemology, are our, our, our ways of like knowing what we think we know, like it becomes very, very fragile at a certain point. And, and I would admit to that too. You know, it's like sort of like I'm not, you know, I, I, I you know, we, when we write and we're all writers and when we write, we try to write with some kind of authority. Um, and, and I don't think it's a pretense. Like, like uh, I think that the best writers are trying to self-examine. They're trying to look at their own um, arguments critically. Uh, the best writers, uh, and and I and I think that the best thinkers do that too. They're they're constantly saying, they're constantly challenging their own interior positions. We're constantly, you know, like a, a writer of salt will just look at what they wrote and review it and say, like, how could this be easily defeated? Or how can it be defeated even with like an immense arsenal at your disposal? And it's sort of like, so So that process, I would say, would be more along the lines of deliberative rhetoric, right? Where you're saying like, I'm assembling an argument because I sense something in it is true. Um, it may not be impregnable. There may be flaws in it. There may be gaps in it, but like, but, but I'm not afraid of those being exposed. I'm not just uh, deploying some sort of armor uh, whether it's social or economic, like I'm not just I'm not I'm not just like I'm not just coming up with the easiest answer to complex issues. But the problem is, is that I think the majority of people do do that, and it's not a it's not a slander against them in my mind. Like in my mind, it's sort of like it's like that's just that's just the the consequences, you know, the the wages of life to some degree, like. No, there's none of us here or anywhere that don't have something precious that they want to protect. And like, oftentimes that precious thing is very normal. It's just a paycheck or it's just a, or, or it's just like, I just want to have a nice dinner with my family, or I just want to, I want to experience some little, you know, snippet of joy in all of this chaos. And, uh, and I think, um, so I think in some degree, to some degree, and this is this might be controversial. Um, when we write, to some degree, we do become arms dealers in the sense that we are providing a better kind of weaponry for those people that just want to live their lives, that want to live their lives as freely and as joyfully as possible. And 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 I would I would say like that's unfortunately what the other side is trying to do as well. And like where the rubber meets the road is like is like, well, and the, the difference maybe between deliberative rhetoric and propaganda is we are trying to actually 
do it in a way that makes people freer and makes them happier in the long run. Whereas the propagandist proper is just trying to preserve their own little circles of power, no matter what the expense is. They don't really care what the end result of their writing is, so long as it preserves a certain kind of perverse hierarchy. Um, as long as it preserves, uh, and again, at the cost of all, like it doesn't matter. As long as the next moment is as um, beneficial to them as the last one, uh, it could cost the world. And I'll open it up to somebody else at that point. Um, like mm -hmm. I, as far as like the difference. Yeah. When you say you were arms like arms dealers, it makes it sound very exciting what we do on substance <laughs> <laughs> weapons trading. Anyway, um, but now what you said, like uh, oh, a few things you said in there, one was like the rhetoric versus propaganda distinction. And there's this, I'm not sure that I totally understand it, but I, there's something like from Buddhism, it's like this skillful means because, you know, the, in a lot of religions, there's this, uh, you know, lying is sort of, uh, you know, fundamental type of sin or wrongdoing or whatever. Uh, you know, so anyway, with Buddhism, it's like this, from what I understand, it's like this emphasis on truth, but then there's this sort of like, concept of skillful means of like if you need to persuade somebody and usually there's like a in the examples i've heard like a paternalistic kind of relationship like a father with children you know and you don't reveal the entire truth to them but you don't lie either it's just kind of more like you selectively reveal things that you know that they need to do um you know and um Versus like, I guess this idea of like a noble lie that you hear people talk about, which we've talked about in other uh, conversations before. It's like, there's no, nothing noble about lying. You know, at the end of the day, it's like the idea that you're going to deliberately engineer some falsehood and get people like Pl Plato's Republic, uh, you know, get people because they're too stupid to, to do it for the right reasons. So you're going to give them some total bullshit you know, reasons why they need to do to, to, you know, like basically a false religious narrative or something like that, you know, and, and there it's like, I mean, it seems like you, when you do that, it's always like this Faustian deal with the devil that it's always going to take you astray and corrupt you. You know, it's like, there's this sort of, at the end of the day, like this uh, belief in truth is, and, and, and having your beliefs cohere with reality to the best extent that you can as a guiding light, or you don't place that above, you know, like, it, it, and so it's kind of like that. Uh, and I guess C.S. Lewis brings this up in mere Christianity that, that like, if you, if you want truth, then you may find at the end, you know, of a long journey, like that you have comfort and, um, you, you know, joy and peace of mind, all these other things as well. But if you start off with, I'm going to aim for those things first and truth is kind of secondary, you know, if it's ever seems to conflict with my, desire for comfort and satisfaction and all that i'm going to scrap truth and just go for that and worry about truth later and it's like that never works you wind up with you know uh delusions and you know it undermines whatever it was that you were pursuing in the first place with the, the truth and stuff um but uh something that i'll pass it along in, a, in just a second john carter is not here he had a post uh called the truth hurts uh, where he, he talks about like I guess trying to make sense of like all this the craziness during COVID and something you said Mark reminded me of that uh, so I guess there's like this 
why why would you cling to a lie you know you talk about like you you go through the arguments you dismantle somebody's arguments show them the reasons why their arguments are wrong and then at the end of the day they just throw down this well i don't care I, i'm gonna do this anyway whatever the reason is and sometimes they rationalize it by you know i've had these debates before they'll end up saying well everybody does that nobody really believes these things you know kind of like this real cynical jaded view and they'll just i, I don't care you know what they're data shows or what the evidence shows or what or whatever um but then it's like there you get two things there's like the truth hurts and there's the desire to avoid losing face and of course that's another thing like once you publicly said this is what i believe and this is true and then somebody shows you that it's not true it's like there's that temptation probably to double down or, or or weasel your way out of it somehow rather than acknowledging all right i didn't know what the hell i was talking about and you're right i was wrong you know about this and or, or whatever it's like but if you do that it's like the only way to you know maintain your integrity i guess you know is but most people don't do that because it's like it's in the short term it seems like i can avoid losing face by doubling down on my beliefs or you know, attacking you ad hominem or whatever but then there's the whole truth hurts and um you know aspect that which is a great post yeah and uh, that's and that's that's you know. great that you use the word integrity because like it's the word that i've been contemplating you know obviously it means being whole and so like yeah. when you say doubling down like it's interesting because at the same time to me at least it means something like disintegrating so it's sort of like you're you you know by by holding two contradictory ideas in your head um, and by and by, you know, again, like sort of like maintaining this 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 uh, hypocrisy, like right down to the moment when you are defeated in logic, when you're defeated in reason, it's just sort of like at the bottom, like you find a disintegrated being. You define you find someone who fundamentally, like at some level, has been split. And, and and can't integrate like their needs of the moment with like sort of longer term, you know, horizontal kind of kind of uh, 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 experience. Like emotionally, of, like, the, they identify with their belief in some way. So you're attacking their or they perceive it as an attack on their identity. If you're like, yeah. well, your belief is wrong or like part you of know? their identity, because yeah. like there's another part, like even in the admission that like, I don't care. Ultimately, like it's just sort of like, but you spent the last hour pretending to care or did you pretend like does some part of you care and some other part of you not care. And like that doesn't make any sense. Like ultimately, you see a kind of disintegrated sort of being like a disintegrated mind. And like, it's, it's kind of like, so reintegrating would be like, I, 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 not only am I, I'm not ever going to pretend to care about something that I don't care about. Um, and then, and then when I'm, when, 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 when I'm confronted with evidence about my beliefs that, that I find actually, um, uh, like if I, if I find that compelling, like I have to confess to that. And if I don't, then, then I, I no longer I ceased I, I I become less human in some ways. Like I I mean that in like in the sense of like I become I become less whole. I become less of a person because like a person I think is not some sort of labyrinth of various interests and whatnot, but like rather somebody that can 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 assess a situation that like gets data coming in. And like, and can, can hold it in their mind and can, and can push it up against like sort of every other instance of things that they knew 
that they've experienced and like come up with a complete answer. And if you can't do that, if it's all contingent, if it's all in the moment, then like, I think that that is a person that is fragmented. And like, you know, I think to some degree that describes basically everyone who leads the regime. Would you say that? I mean, like somebody like that, like they're, their chief overriding goal or you know borrow the phrase from jesus you can't serve two masters you love one hate the other or vice versa like like that their top priority is their status and looking good not looking bad like look and being better than you in that moment and so here's this thing the moment yeah this is like all right you have this belief i'm better than you as a person because you have this belief and it's wrong for these various reasons you undermine all that and show the other well, those reasons are actually not legitimate and at the end of the day and they still double down um i'm curious if you think this is the case because some people do articulate this and i wonder if some maybe mean this but don't have the intellect or the self-awareness to articulate it but there's this kind of like at that moment they go with what's left which is well you're kind of like this I'm stronger than you because you're bound by this, these moral considerations or this consideration around truth. And that's a, I'm free to believe what I want. I'm not bound by truth or morality. Like almost like a, like almost like a do what thou wilt is the whole law kind of attitude. Like that, it's thrown out as a justification, not of why their belief is good, but why they are still better than you. You know, like you've shown them this thing. And at the end of the day, they're like, yeah, I reject your game that you're playing with logic and morality and all that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not bound by those things. You can be bound by those things, lesser person than me. You know, like, do you think that, cause some people will actually say that. And I wonder if the, those that don't say it, maybe it's like the lack of self-awareness or intellect to, articulate that but is that kind of at the back of it maybe it's not but what do you guys think well i, th- I think that um i'm gonna try to tie tie a bunch of this stuff together i think that most people i think that most people do have a a very basic um a very basic desire or need for to to, to create some kind of coherent you know picture of the way the world works so I think that I think that I think before we were talking before we started recording we were kind of wondering about truth and d- does it does everyone like Daniel I think you were saying that you know you had this idea that you know that everyone had some desire for the truth and and it's kind of weird seeing that seeing people not act that out I th- but I think there's a there is a truth a truth in that that I think most people at the very least uh, like they're they're seeking for meaning and that by, by that what i mean is they're they, they're seeking for things to make sense they're seeking a, trying to to create a picture where there are good reasons for things where things fit together i think you could you could you could say that that is roughly a desire for truth but it's not uh, it's not like it always works because we'll well, there are so many options on the table, right? So we've got these these things in the world, these things that we experience that don't necessarily, like the the connection and the explanation for them isn't immediately apparent. So there are multiple possible explanations for them, multiple theories, multiple interpretations that will put them together in a in a picture that makes sense, that's coherent. And so oftentimes we'll, we'll for just, it could just be random circumstance that will latch on to, to certain connections, certain interpretations. And now we've got a picture. Um, we've got a, we've got a worldview. We've got a, a way of putting all these things together, a way of making sense and uh, making sense of the world. But it could be 
for all we know, it could be completely wrong, but we don't know that. All we know is it feels good because it, because it makes sense. And so in, I, I, so in a sense, maybe it's like a, a desire for truth that inspires the search for the, in the first place. But what we get as a result isn't necessarily the, the best answer, the best way of putting things together. So now what we have is a person, who, which is most of us, who have this picture that we've created for ourselves, roughly, or that's partially been created for us, that roughly works. You know, it makes sense. We've got an explanation for the things that we see in the world and for the problems that we're trying to solve on some level. But then this human, there are like at least two human tendencies that we all pretty much have, one of which is, um, well, just egotism. So the, the, the feeling that we're right and the trust that we put in, our, in, our, in the conclusions that we've come to in the world. So it's like, okay, well, now I know. And I'm, uh, I'm secure in, in knowing what I know. And then we, we get to be a bit, you know, we get to be assholes about it. Um, because then now we know, so now we can tell other people that we know, and we can, you, you know, we can make fun of other people or put them down for, for not knowing. And this is what happens when we get into arguments with people. It's like, okay, I'm right. I've got it figured out. Now I'm going to let you know. So there's this, this egotism involved. And then there's the, also the, just the very basic, which is related, very basic, you know, cognitive bias of confirmatory thinking or confirmatory bias, where now because we've formed this picture, what we want is what, when we see evidence in the world, we like selectively choose out the stuff that, that supports what, the, what we already think and the stuff that, uh, that disagrees with it, the, the disconfirming evidence. It's like, well, we don't want to look at that because um, like, uh, like one of us, one, one of you guys was quoting the probably maybe Mark Twain quote about um, what, who, what, Mark, was that you that brought it up? That What was that quote? was grant that was grant that was, was grant. grant okay yeah what, what was that one grant just just it's easier it. it's easier to uh convince to fool it's easier it's much easier to fool a man than to convince him that he's been fooled that he's been fooled right so none of us want to look like an idiot because we we want a picture that makes sense and when when it turns out that we've that we've got a picture that it doesn't map to reality it doesn't feel good we don't want to admit that so we get this uh, this situation where th I think that's what the, the the environment the inner environment that most people are in, where most of us have been fooled about some things. Some people have been fooled more than others, and no one wants to admit that they've been a fool. So, what do you do in that circumstance? So, one of the things that we've talked we were talking about before recording was well, so writing, for instance, trying to be persuasive. Is it is it worthwhile to write a piece? To a, to a group of people that you see are in that situation that don't really see something that you think is, is, uh, is important, that you think you've got a, a more like objective, a better view of, like, it, how do you do that? And is there a, is there a point in doing it? And uh, so I was kind of thinking about that and, 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 uh, and, and, and looking at it like writers, like people on sub, like us on Substack, were like arms dealers, giving people better weapons. <clears throat> well, I think there are, I was thinking about about two different kind of two different approaches to this, two different ways of writing and, and persuasion. And one would be, yeah, to provide a better weapon. So this is a kind of confirmation um, uh, confirmation <laughs> that uh, you're basically saying, okay, yeah, you're right. We all agree. Now here's a better argument, or the kind of pace and lead thing where it's like, okay, here. My, my, my dear readers, you might all already agree with me about this. And so you write out, you know, stuff that they might already agree with that they that won't, that isn't too far out, that won't 
push too many buttons, but then you just add in a add in a few more things that maybe someone hadn't thought of before. So in that sense, you're you're providing some upgraded weaponry, weaponry or ammunition, um, but utilizing that that um, that feature that that we all have of of wanting to seek out confirmation uh, for for what we already believe. Maybe just upgrading it to a degree. But what do you do for for a, for a a topic or a situation where someone might just might just be wrong about it. Well, maybe the the thing to do there is to kind of recapitulate one's own process. Like I know I, I've done this a couple times, but it's not really a habit of mine. But to kind of to kind of be like, well, I was I was where you where you're at. Or just say, well, this is what I first. This is what I this is what I used to believe, or this is the way I used to see things. And then kind of guide through the process that that you yourself went through to kind of. Um, just like in a dramatic work as a kind of um, catharsis where you, you take, take someone through an experience that maybe they've not been before, and by experiencing it vicariously, they can kind of um, follow through the process and learn with you as you've, as you've learned. Um, because that's, that's one, of the thing, one of the things that I, th I think we don't, we don't teach and we're, we aren't, that we aren't taught and that we don't learn very well is how to go through that process. Because another thing that came up in the discussion was that we don't, um, it's probably a lot more healthy to, to say and to admit, I don't know, but none of us want to do that. So is it possible to, to train yourself or would it be possible to train, you know, kids from a young age to develop the habit of, oh, well, you know, I, I think it is that, uh, do you know that there's nothing wrong with not knowing it? Like it's probably start out with that, without with with that um statement start out with you don't know and then try to uh, find the truth like i think it's, it's probably possible to teach habits of thought habits of mind from a young age we just don't do it and um because uh mark you brought up like the word disintegrative that well there's another uh like another context to use that word and and when you are confronted with a uh, with being wrong about something someone presents you with some facts that um they're totally outside of that framework that you've come up with that way of making sense of the world it it breaks something inside you right it, it's uncomfortable that's all that is in itself like a disintegrative state where you where part of you is seeing okay i'm i'm not um jiving with reality i'm not in tune with reality here there's some there is some kind of disconnect there is some kind of fundamental like disintegration um within myself and and by extension my relationship with the world so i think that um it's a damage I, I it's like it's it's a form of yeah. damage and like and, and it can be productive damage or it can be destructive damage yeah. right like it's right. sort of like so the damage that well ultimately yeah. productive right like yeah yeah like where it's building it's building instead of just in other words it's sort of like uh again like developing muscles right it's just sort of like that's productive damage whereas uh, scarring is you know you could say you could say i I've, i think i've said it before that scarring is muscle in a strange way these things are connected right so like what harrison i think is is pointing to is something i i deeply agree with which is that like to maybe the maybe the ultimate difference is like can can you be punched in the face and like and grow from that like can you can you take a loss can you take a kick in the teeth like can you take damage 
and like in some way figure out how that leads to greater integration and growth. Like in that, does that healing process make you stronger or does it turn you into like, you know, a cripple of some sort? And like, that's, mm-hmm. that's the difference. And so like, so, so as arm, if, if we're going with the arms dealer um, analogy, like what I would say, or, or, or maybe we're talking about armor, whatever we're talking about in terms of like giving people um, answers to think to questions that they are, they are going to feel embarrassed, not having any answers for uh, that could go in a couple of different ways. And the destructively damaging way, would be something like I'm going to give you an absolute answer. I'm going. You're going to be able to use it, this answer in this one compartmentalized situation. You're going to be able to use this, like in order to, you know, clown or own your social enemies. Like, like those answers are pretty obvious to spot because they are they are single use. They are disintegrated essentially. They're not part of a larger strategy towards assessing like true things um more generally right this is sort of like there's a there's a kind of a generalist principle to 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 the best writing i think where it says like well this agrees with everything else that this person has said this is not a special scenario this is not a special pleading kind of a situation like i can apply this principle in um, basically all of these various sort of um, uh, situations. And like, that's to me, that's at least that's me. Like to me, that's how I assess. I try to assess like how truthful something is. I say like, well, you know, absent any particular situation, how much does this lend to like a more general strategy towards, you know, towards, towards truth, towards light, towards illuminating subjects rather than cloaking them. You know, it's like, um, uh, I was thinking about, I said disintegration, but I also thought about the Clinton years and about um, how the word, word, this neologism, this this compartmentalization came into play, which is like, uh, that was during the Monica Lewinsky uh, situation, like that it was a word that entered the lexicon, uh, compartmentalized, compartmentalization. And it's sort of like what you're really talking about, again, is is sort of like a disintegration of being where like really there is no method for assessing truth because everything is a unique, special case. Everything is 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 special pleading. Everything is designed to assess something in the moment and a momentary problem, a momentary obstacle that's right in your way. Um, whereas you can't really see any farther afield. You can't, like, I, I, I'm a big proponent of, like, one of the main things that distinguishes humans from all other fauna is our ability to see the future. It's, it's, not, it's not a small thing. Like, it's sort of like, you know, it's like, this was a different discussion that we had when we were talking about the difference between animals and humans. And to me, like, the biggest maybe the biggest difference is like the idea that we can see further to that horizon. We don't just see the obstacle that's right in front of us. You know, we can, we can imagine like a a whole series of obstacles and, and sort of routes like in roads ahead of us. And like, so, so when people are just using an argument to address the thing that's right in front of them, which might just be a person, a person that they have personal animus against, uh, someone that they 
genuinely dislike or just afraid of in some social way. They're afraid of being um, uh, told off by this person or embarrassed in some way by this person because they hold A, B, and C beliefs that don't align with their, you know, uh, in a political way. Like, like you see that constantly. You see that where it's just sort of like, well, I'm just going to disagree with you on general principle. I don't care what the thing is. What can, what, 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 gun can I grab off the shelf in order to fight you off? Because like on this, you know, because like, it's not really about um, the current thing. It's about like a sort of totality of things um, that like, I also don't care about. I just don't like you. You know what I mean? I just don't like what you're about. I know that you're a different tribe. I sense that you're, you're on a different path. Uh and and so yeah, so I think like that's that's the biggest difference. I think like a, the the weapons that are provided by the propagandists are all disintegration ray guns essentially. Like they're all about like sort of tearing apart connections. They're all about like making things smaller, making every single issue its own issue and singular. Whereas like you know, I would say that the weapons that are provided by someone who is again, like sort of engaged in a deliberative rhetoric that is, you know, that's about, that's about like the horizon. That's about like something that is a little bit more difficult to see. Those are more sort of, um, I don't know if there's an opposite of a disintegrator, but like, yeah, if there was, like, I would think it'd be something that like kind of makes things whole, like something like a, I don't know if there's a science fiction device, but uh, maybe something the that Bones wielded on the Enterprise. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Like something that like brings like like that like pieces things together in a, in a, in a in a orderly and logical and sensible way, and like that does not that agrees with itself in every single case. Doesn't you know? The, uh, obviously, we can't. We can't. We're not. We can't. We're always going to be subject to some elements of hypocrisy but like imagine like not being able to even see that ever like uh, never examining it like never like testing it and like that's that's the difference to me it's just sort of like yeah we're you know people that are on the lookout for agreement like even self-agreement this is like um, the asymmetry, sure that, the asymmetry yeah. between construction and destruction i mean like if all you want is to destroy if you're in a, if you're a gorilla force and you're just trying to just cause maximal damage you don't care about you know civilian casualties or how you're going to rebuild after the battle or whatever it's like you can just destroy it you know i mean you're not limited in the way that somebody who's trying to build something and you know and and is concerned about those you know other things like truth or virtue an architect an architect is opposed to like a demolitions expert and like demolitions you know, no matter what you say, like you could say, like, well, he's a very skilled demolitions expert. He knows how to take apart this building in the most effective and efficient, and you know, uh, and 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 it's just sort of like, yeah, okay, but it's still easier. Yeah, it's there, still easier the, because, like, just yeah. I was just gonna say, I think the best weapon against somebody like that, you know, and it, specifically in today's world, those demolition experts tend to be kind of he borrowed john's term marxist these like narcissist like narcissistic personality types but then marxist in their beliefs or cultural marxist but it's like is to reframe 
because they're they always i mean the, a lot of the stuff that they say it seems true but only because the framing is so flawed and incomplete and deceptive and it's like it's so it's like attacking the framing you know in an example of this um you know just to throw one out there you know the like the the rhetoric around slavery and like how that is supposed to define america as like this original sin white people have this guilt like this it's almost like this religious kind of notion of original sin, you know, but then if you reframe it more broadly and say, well, where else in the world was slavery being practiced at that time? And it's like, well, throughout the world, every continent, including Africa, including, you know, the Middle East. And it's like, if you reframe it in that way and say, you know, then what, which of these cultures ended slavery on their own terms without outside intervention from some other demographic coming in and forcing them to it's like well europeans you know so it's like you know it, it just changes the whole character when you know instead of having an honest conversation about say slavery and its, its after effects and how to remedy that what the marxist is trying to do is just use it as a cudgel to just beat people and get, and obtain power over them and manipulate them and it's like when and so they use this dishonest framing in order to do it you know, to, it's like a guerrilla form of mor morality. And so there it's like changing the framing is probably the best way to counter that tactic, you know? Uh, so I would, I would think of everything uh, in terms of persuasion is just you're selling ideas. Yeah. Uh, so I think a good alternative, you know, disintegration with propaganda versus integration with uh, persuasion in trying to sell an idea, the most important thing to consider is that value is subjective. People have different values. So you have to sell whatever idea that you're trying to sell based on, on the person who you're trying to sell it to, their values, not yours. Because if you're trying to sell it based on yours, I mean, that's, I mean, if their values are different, it's not going to, do them any good so it's the same principle of selling anything the, the libertarian uh presidential candidate harry brown um back in the day um very successful businessman and salesman wrote a book the secret of selling anything and that's like the premise of the book but it pertains to selling ideas too and i think that that's that's the fundamental fundamentally opposed method to propaganda and to tie that into what daniel was saying about framing um some of these people that are trying to frame things a certain way they're they're not doing it in good faith they're trying to frame it in a certain way to achieve some ends that they desire that uh we would not buy under any circumstances if we understood <laughs> accurately what they want so you know what complicates the picture of this you know battle of narratives in the marketplace of ideas is that some of the narratives being espoused by certain factions are mutually exclusive and they're they're cast forth by factions that want each other destroyed so it's not there's not like this open marketplace where everybody's searching for truth. There's an open marketplace where everybody is trying to advance their self-interest. 
And for some people, and, and obviously there's some hubris involved in me asserting this outright, I'd say for us, advancing truth as best as we can see it, we consider that to be a part of our self-interest for whatever reason. And you could go into psychological and, you know, environmental genetic factors, whatever it is, there's something about certain people that make it so cognitive dissonance of not doing that is like, it's just not juice isn't worth the squeeze, you know? Cause if I was, I don't know about you guys, but if I was the kind of person that, was comfortable lying to people like willingly and, and openly and engaging in the world and just naked cynicism. Um, I would probably be wealthier than I am. And I would probably be higher on the status hierarchy in terms of the regime than I am. Uh, but I know that given who I am, if I had tried to take that path, that uh, that I'd be absolutely miserable, you know, and I'd be dependent upon, you know, pharmacologic aid in order to be able to do that on a continuous basis. So maybe that's why there's so many people on antidepressants in America. Yeah, yeah. Anxiety, Wait, right? I'll be I'll, I'll brag even more. I'd be a supervillain. Like if like 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 <laughs> if, if my life had like taken certain like if I had if I had made certain decisions and certain nodes in my life, I'm sure I might be extremely wealthy. Um, but again, like to your point, Grant, because I think it's an important distinction, right? Like this idea of, uh, I, I haven't read the libertarian, uh, book that you were talking about, but I imagine somewhere in that, in that, um, promotion of advertisement, the idea of writing being as a form of advertisement, uh, the keep it simple, stupid principle, the kiss principle, right? has to come into play at some point, I think, only because when you're trying to assemble an argument for an unknown, which is like essentially what we're all doing when we're writing, we're writing to a kind of a vast unknown. And so that means that the fundaments, like the foundation of the argument has to be pretty simple. Like the way I would put it is something like, like if we were talking about the competence hierarchy, right? It's sort of like, and I think we all agree with this. It's sort of like, well, a lot of stupid people are in charge of a lot of important things because somewhere along the way we lost our ability to um, determine competency, something like that. Or maybe in, in we decided that something was more important than competence, right? Like that's a pretty simple argument. It doesn't have to go into race realism. It doesn't have to go into any sort of advanced graphs or charts or any or any or any complexities other than like hey competent people should be in charge of things that require competence that's pretty simple right the more complex that argument gets the more fiddly the more components that we add to it i don't know if necessarily we're going to persuade the type of people we want to persuade like in other words like like uh if you look at somebody like steve sailor right and he's he's I, look, I, I have some things to say about all of that um, that lie outside the scope of this. But like the the ultimate point is this is sort of like, who are you convincing? Are you preaching to acquire or are you trying to like to get across like the simple principle that, hey, uh, competence matters um, because certain complex systems require it. And those are systems that affect your life. 
whether you like it or not. Yeah, let's let's you look know. at this as an example. I think this is a really good example to kind of uh, do a deep dive on using that idea of selling things based on subjective value. So, um, you know, to to your point, I would like if I was trying to persuade you, Mark, of my libertarian priors and their utility in advancing competence, right? For you specifically, what I would focus on is saying, hey, who gets to determine what competent is? That's a very difficult thing to ascertain. And no matter what you could try and argue, like whatever hypothesis you want to come up with, if you want to look at what has changed, the government has become more involved in, in intervening in what private enterprise discusses and determines and decides is competent. So unilateral authority to make uh, hiring decisions has been infringed upon by interests outside of business. And that has been what has resulted in this change. And so to get back and get after what you think would be better, you know, based on your values and, and elevating competence, you know, we don't need to elevate competence explicitly because you can't do that because it's difficult to define and enforce. You just need to allow individuals to voluntarily decide how they're going to allocate, you know, their property. You know, so if that's a business, it's a business. If it's an individual, it's an individual. And in terms of who they hire, like they have all the incentive and the skin in the game in order to over time select for competence. But then it gets to other complex things where it's not necessarily competence is the only thing. There's things like loyalty, you know, where there's a long training pipeline and all these other factors that are they're subtle and they're difficult to uh, to measure. And so we just don't want the people making those decisions being people that have no skin in the game. Um, so that's the argument that I'd make to you. Now, when it comes to like a race realist, like, like, or, or somebody that's into human biodiversity, I would make different arguments and say, Hey, like, if you think that it's so important to be able to discriminate based on race, same deal. Like it's the government that's preventing that. And I think a lot of those people, they think it's important for those same reasons and but like as you said to certain people like to you those reasons are irrelevant to you it's all about competence and you're not interested in the exact reasons why competence is no longer getting selected for so talking about human biodiversity to you is irrelevant but if for for people to whom that is uh, a factor that they're interested in uh, trying to sidestep it and be like, no, those differences don't matter. That's, that's going to make them hostile to what you're trying to sell because you're not selling it in terms of what they're most interested in. So everybody just needs a different, like people that are, are capable of being on your side on something just need it to be described in ways that, that demonstrate how, that satisfies their own subjective interpretations and interests and values. And I think that this is a, this is a, a big divide, right? This is a big, important 
kind of uh, topic right now that, that divides people. And um, unfortunately, with this issue, especially human biodiversity, is the reason that it's become kind of a hot topic and something that demands some attention is because progressives in the left have been so adamant and aggressive in saying, hey, there's systemic oppression and systemic racism and white people are the root of all evil and any differences in outcomes uh, between race and between gender as a result of discrimination. Uh, well, in order to push back against that, you know, you kind of have to have an alternative hypothesis to be able to persuade. And if you seed the ground and be like, I'm not going to, I'm not required to put forth an alternative hypothesis, then you're giving those people ammunition to be able to, uh, no, I, I understand. I mean, so I understand what, where you're going with this. It depends on who you're talking, talking to and who you are arguing with is all I wanted to right. I no i agree i agree like for the most part i agree i guess my my point my point being something like this is that like we seem to be so we have like these factions that are hardening on the subject and like it might be the case i'm not saying that i'm giving up but it might be the case that there really there really is no um bridge to cross anymore when it comes to something like this. Uh, but on the off chance that there is, on the off chance that people could say, there's a, there's, a, there's a quality to it when it comes to human biodiversity and in, in, in that territory, where it's sort of like, are we sure that we're not fighting the enemy on their own terms and on their own ground? Like, I, you know, when looking at a battlefield and trying to assess it, like, I think one of the most important things is, like, are we playing the game by their rules? Are we fighting the battle on their terms? Or are we in some way becoming imaginative and creative and looking looking at the whole thing from a higher perspective? Um, uh, and, and that's, the, you know, I, again, I don't think that it's necessarily, you know, my opinion. I don't think it's useful at all to, like, sort of... Um, to fight them on their own terms because their own terms are rigged. We already know that they're completely crazy and evil. Like there's no, there, there, there is no logic. There is no reason. There's no morality there. It is like the argument, uh, uh, you know, ad infinitum, like where, like when you get to the bottom of it, when you scratch away all the surfaces, I think that you will get to, I don't care, including on the, especially on the left especially on the left that like is, is sort of like bootstrapped with this whole idea that like, Oh, it's all oppression all the way down. Uh, it's, it's it, all, all differences of outcomes are re the result of some sort of structural oppression. We already know that that's nonsense. Like we, we know that it's nonsense on stilts. And like, I think that there are a lot of people again, who, who, who innately suspect that, who know it because like we, human beings have like a um there's a difference between like knowledge and sense and so like we do sense that we sense that like well this is wrong obviously this is stupid why are why are these incompetent clowns by the way many of which have white faces um i i can't stress that enough it's sort of like 
it's like, yeah, I get it. The human biodiversity, like various groups and, and averages and all of this other stuff. But when we look at the actual hierarchy, we're going to see just essentially incompetence across the board. Even John Carter, even John Carter in his article about like uh, Claudine, Claudine Gay, for example, allowed for the possibility like, yeah, there probably were a lot of black women that were way more qualified for the job uh, that she held. Uh, and yet she was selected, yes, because of race, yes, because of immutable qualities or maybe slightly mutable qualities. Um, she was and even because of her name, like like this is the insanity of what we're we're we're, we're up against. Um, but like even he allowed for the idea that like, hey, she was selected because she was incompetent. And this is a weird thing to contemplate, like the idea of an inverse. Uh, hierarchy and an upside down pyramid of competence, like where 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 essentially like people are now being selected for how stupid they are, and like and and again I I think that transcends you know any sort of um, uh, uh, hard headed theory about like you know uh, about um, uh, 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 on their terms about like well uh, of of racial hierarchy of structural oppression like if we if we if we fight them on that ground i just i just feel like we're we're not really gaining the type of the type of of allies and I hate to use that word but we're not we're, we're not really like we're not really like changing the game um we're just sort of playing it by their rules i guess is what i'm saying we're, we're just saying like well yeah good I was going to say something you brought up. I mean, it underlies the thing, and this may be an area to. I mean, the whole the whole topic of of race, race realism, is so nuanced, and it's not all black and white. Pun intended, I guess. It's it's like, and one of the things is like this distinction between, you know, what's meant by an identity, and it's really it's not the racial identity, it's the political identity that drives it, because you know you'll have somebody. I mean, who's black. And as soon as they, you know, uh, commit some kind of heresy against the, you know, Marxist religion, it's like they're out, you know? So like, I mean, the you know, the, you, you see the vitriol that white even, you know, progressives will have towards people like Candace Owens or Thomas Sowell or, you know, or even somebody like Glenn Lowry or, um, you know, uh, John McWhorter it's like you, know, you have people it's like as soon as they they so they're black or like Larry Larry Elder right so he's like called you know he's a white face of blacks or the black face of white supremacy you know all these sorts of things are like Winsome Sears that uh new you know Virginia lieutenant governor you know so it's like obviously dark skin you know but it's like but she's uh, like oh you know like called like uh I forget the word salad. Some MSNBC anchor said it was like, oh, I see a black mouth moving, but white ideas and, you know, on the runway of white supremacy from her mouth or some kind of crazy nonsense. So anyway, it's like, it's obviously it's not a racial identity that there it, it's the political identity. And so, I, you know, maybe there's that tension there, it's, it, you know, um, but of course that goes down to like, people don't have people, like we have this, whatever it is, in innate desire for some kind of religious 
belief meanings are structured in our lives somehow. And so in the absence of that, in the sort of postmodern West, it's like people just latch on to something and seize it and like identify with it. And so it's like in the case of like progressivism, you have like, it's basically a religion that operates like one and it gives people that same sense of just like in talking to a cult member, you know, uh, about why like some Jehovah's witness or, you know, you know, comes to your house and it's like, you know, trying to tell you about whatever. It's like you have just as much, I mean, it's really follows the same pattern in talking to them because you're not addressing the ideas or the claims. It's like, you're some core thing of their identity that's now wedded to this whole ideology, you know, and, uh, well, I mean, I, I could I could speak anecdotally about that, uh, even with my own wife. You know, there there is a um, there is a like a, a sort of a horrible little game that's played, particularly with like let's say you know high IQ black people, particularly black women, um, where there is a game that's played, and it is a sordid game. Um, and I think it's played actually across racial lines too. You know, anyone who's been a uh, graduate of the American public school system will probably agree with me that if you are to show any kind of ingenuity or intelligence of any kind, um, that this is, uh, this is something that's punished socially, right? Like you're And like, and, and, and for, um, a black person in particular, uh, at least in my experience, like this is, I mean, this comes with this game. This game is very, very rigged, and it's very, very dangerous, um, uh, because of the environment that we are all raised in. Because of this, because of this echo chamber of propaganda, um, there is a. Huh, you know, my wife would probably tell you a lot of things about like being called white, uh, being being called all kinds of names because of. Uh, because of inherent qualities. And so, and so there's, there's a, to me at least, like it's, 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 I guess I'll admit that it's a little bit personal where there's a, where there's a, I get, I just get this feeling that like, that like maybe the ground that some people are fighting on is not, and I'm not, I'm not disdaining their character. Like I, I, I get the fact that like, yeah, like things are upside down. And like, so people are like, you know, kind of flailing and saying like, holy crap, how did this get so out of control? How did everything get so upside down? How did like competency get turned on its head? How do we have this situation um, that we're in right now? And I think that to me, at least it's, it's a tactical mistake to say like okay like let's 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 just say that like you know um that the the reasons uh for these discrepancies is 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 because uh you know someone with these immutable qualities is 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 on average uh i hate that word on uh, the term on average but like on average is 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 going to be uh less competent and it's just sort of like in a high enough resolution view what you see you know it's like who would you prefer to be in charge joe biden or thomas Sowell? you said uh thomas Sowell's name right uh dan yeah yeah like it's just sort of like thomas like at it at yeah well it's just sort of like so it becomes to me at least it becomes a little bit ridiculous that we're like we're actually toying with their concepts of race when 
when in fact what we're really talking about is like is that the competency period pyramid has been turned upside down for reasons that have to do with preserving the power of an elite few to essentially enslave the human race and so it's sort of like it, like like to me at least like when i try to write about time and i haven't really written about race i you know i it, it doesn't interest me very much obviously but like it's sort of like like when i write to an audience i just assume like there's probably going to be, be all kinds of people out there like I, I i you know like like again like in terms of persuasion like like i'm trying to go as fundamental as i can because like i i i i have the opinion and maybe it's hubristic maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's insane but i have the opinion that there are probably like this forget intelligence for example let's talk about wisdom and sensibility uh the idea that like there are a lot of people that understand that something has gone completely fucking haywire and like to reach as many of those people as possible seems to me to be the best long-term strategy and at the very least like i you know i'm not a strategist i you know i'm a tactician and so at the very least, like, like what, what is immediately to hand to me tactically is like, Hey, let's push into this little area. Let's see if like, we can like get people to um, kind of like forget all of their armored opinions, forget about like being embarrassed about knowing something, but instead like, like look inward and say like, you know what, like something is wrong. Like something's really wrong with all of this, you know? And like, and, and, so maybe like a small bore, like of what Grant was talking about, like where, like, I agree with Grant, like in the, in the main, like I agree with him, like, like, like libertarianism, like I'm not a, I guess I would be like a small L libertarian um, in the sense that like, yeah, I understand all of that. Like, obviously the market decides, obviously like, like that is the, the more genuine fount of useful information. Um, and certainly we don't want to like go into this, 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 this doom loop of like, of like a bunch of experts in expertology pretending to know about things they can't know and then imposing their, their stupid uh, insights on everyone else. Um, I just worry sometimes that like that's in that particular realm, I worry that that's what we're doing. That's all. Yeah, I, I, just to make it less abstract, I would say the argument that I would that I make, this is the argument that I make on this topic, is that what the reason for differences in outcomes, like, first of all, there's always going to be differences in outcomes in a large organization, society at large, there's going to be differences in outcomes and you can chop those differences up however you want. There's equity is not something of the real world. So there's going to be differences the cause of those differences is always going to be multifactorial. It's never going to be one thing that causes those differences. And also as complex as hard sciences in order to get definitive answers and like most things in, in hard science differences in outcomes for various things are multifactorial. That's hard enough. You get into social sciences and the complexities involved in human civilization at scale and it's just hopelessly complex. These are these are research questions, essentially, with 
tremendous bias laid over the top of it. We do not have access to the answers to these questions and to get answers, even in small contexts, like, hey, within this organization, like within the U.S. Army, like the differences in promotion rates of this race to this rank, like how much of that can be attributed to discrimination versus differences in fundamental attributes versus differences in, in selected career fields, right? Even to answer questions that specific require tremendous resources to be employed. And then I don't trust that the right out the, you know, we're going to get answers because of the bias inherent in, in research. Um, so all that to say, we don't have the answers. And so we have the constitution, we have federal law and we have the civil rights act. So you can't discriminate based on those things for employment. But the way that that's adjudicated is if you as an individual feel like you're being discriminated against, you have the equal opportunity commission, you know, you can submit a complaint and you can litigate it. Like that is the furthest extent that there should be, that that should be adjudicated. This idea that we're going to just go ahead and assume a priori that differences in outcomes are the result of discrimination when, hey, I will admit that in certain circumstances, that's going to be a part of it. You know, that's going to probably be a part of the equation. You, you can't just assume that that's the entire part and then go ahead and employ millions of dollars in resources in order to uh, mitigate that impact, which you don't even know the extent of it. Like you're just going to make the problem worse and you're going to spend a lot of money doing that. So I'll do you, I, I'll do you one better grant. It is the whole part of it now. Like it's pretty obvious that DEI or DIE or whatever we want to call it. Like it's pretty obvious that this is just a system of racial discrimination. It's, it's just in place. We know it. Like it, it, you'd have to be completely blind not to see that this is essentially a anti-white and to some degree anti-Asian uh, form of discrimination. It's just happening. Like that's the reality that we live in. Like it, it's it's where we are. Like there's no question in my mind, at least. I mean, maybe somebody else has something, but, but, but that's different to we're say there. About, we're talking about persuasion, and a lot of people buy into this assumption. And so I'm I'm putting forth an argument that is intended to be persuasive to everybody, regardless of your priors. So even if you believe that it's all probably discrimination and it's it's uh you know like as you as you say like our our position is probably that now the discrimination is more directed against um you know, Asians, whites, et cetera, um, especially in, in certain contexts, like the academic context, which has been proven in court. So, I mean, it's really hard to disagree with that. Nevertheless, people on the other side of this issue would come back and say, okay, well, that's warranted because of historical oppression. We're trying to like right those previous wrongs and, you know, they're um, you know, behind in the overall rat race of life because they were deprived of economic opportunities in past generations. So like it, it, 
like that isn't going to be persuasive to those people because it's like you're saying hey there's discrimination now but they're going to be like yeah and that's good because we need to do that because of historical discrimination so i'm not trying to focus on the on this issue so much as i'm providing an example of trying to be uh persuasive in a way that's going to be broadly applicable and that's to say hey like let's be honest here if like in this this argument only applies to people who are scientifically literate Okay, so if you're scientifically illiterate and you're an ignoramus, this argument's not going to have any impact on you. But if you're scientifically literate, and a lot of people on the left are, um, they will have to, you would have to admit that we don't know the uh, overall impact of discrimination on differences in outcomes. And so you take somebody like Roland Fryer, you know, who's a legitimate uh, economist with legitimate skills. And, you know, he, he would make that exact argument. He would say, we don't know, we can go find out, but I would come back to Roland Fryer and say, Hey, going and finding out costs money, you know? And so if a private company wants to do that, fine. But now with BlackRock and Vanguard and their own DEI initiatives, having their fingers on the scales, kind of more or less pressuring companies to do that when they wouldn't do it otherwise like is that going to help their bottom line you know i don't know so like it it all gets very complicated i'm just saying in terms of persuasion i think focusing on and this applies the climate stuff like just being honest in terms of what we can know is an important first step and then also being honest about hey like before you go and try and fix a problem, realize that if you try and fix it with limited information, there is a significant chance that you will make the problem worse. No, you. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, that, that's it. That's it. I think that that framing is a generally useful framing that then allows you to pivot into going into like what people value subjectively because if you like that's that framing is based in reality that is a truth that is not i think appreciated as much as it needs to be the extent to which we don't know things that uh people think that we're like at the end of history with scientific knowledge and we understand all the reasons for like for for sociology we we don't it's too complex it's very difficult to have answers to these questions and if we do have an answer, it's a hypothesis. Like we we don't know these, these things with such a high degree of certainty that we can then go spend money. And so if people accept that framing, then you can say, hey, okay, well, what do you want? What are your social objectives? What do you want? Like, what are your values? Whatever they are, I'm telling you, if you accept that framing, it's going to be easier to persuade. To- toxic empathy. So yeah. it's sort of like there's 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 a there's a need, uh, in innate need I think like for people to think of themselves as good, and so like if if somebody provides an answer for how you can best feel that they are going to win, um, uh, and it could be a real real shitty answer. Like I think that's what we see with BlackRock with DEI initiatives, like they provided this shitty answer that's like simple though right it's incredibly simple because it's again it's literally black and white 
and it's it's that all over again like you know nobody's gonna like stand up here and tell me that like hey you know once upon a time in america it really sucked to be black because it did um that, that that that's just a thing that happened another thing is happening now um, and it, it it seems to be along the same lines, along the same game. It, it, you know, maybe we are on the other side of it now, but like that doesn't mean that like it's not the same game. And like the game, like changing the game is like something that I want to try to do with my writing, at least because the game sucks. Like the game, the game seems to like loop on itself. It, 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 there doesn't seem to be any kind of like a break in this rhythm. Like where you can say something obvious, like it's it's incredibly obvious that like that like uh, somebody like Claudine Gay, for example, impossibly, impossibly uh, uh, uncredentialed, like like there's no there's no way, shape or form in any in any reality that anybody conceive of that like uh, uh you and i don't want to get into the academic argument right now but like it's sort of like it's just you're just looking at it you're just like well this this just makes no sense you know and, and maybe it makes less sense i'll even i'll even uh, agree to that maybe it, may, it makes even less sense than the former forms of uh sort of racial discrimination and animus but it's it, it it definitely makes no sense you know Something and it's I, just sort I, of like yeah well, I was just gonna say. I mean, speaking of stuff making no sense. I mean, I've, after yeah, I've had debates with people or arguments with people about this, you know. And like one of the things I'll bring up is like, you know, you got Ibram Kendi, for example. Dude's getting paid six figures a pop, or Robin DiAngelo. So you know, uh, who's white, but you know, Kendi black. You know, it's like six figures a pop to give speeches to like these Wall Street banks and these big corporations, and to run these workshops. And then like his book is promoted, his message is promoted. He's given this huge sinecure at you know Boston University to do jack shit, you know, in the way of real research. And you know, it's like, does this look and like his messages? I'm oppressed. We're oppressed because we're black. And it's like, does this look like somebody who's oppressed? I mean, like. Malcolm X back in the day, how many Fortune 500 companies and big banks on Wall Street were like paying him six figures a pop to come give them a speech? You know, it's like nobody Dude. was because he was calling real shit out and like they don't like that. So even Kendi, it's like Dude, just fucking... the fact that he's doing that and getting paid so well to say the system is racist. Oh, the same system is paying you millions of dollars to to preach this message. Like something doesn't add up like that ought to just Dude, trigger some fucking Colin, Colin Kaepernick. I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, this is this is stupid. We all yeah. know it. It's well, obvious. It's it, it's it, ridiculous. It goes to the the thing though. Like, and this is the larger pattern. And maybe people like us. It was kind of like taking the red pill, exiting the matrix, so to speak. You know, like you see the psychopaths, Harrison's wheelhouse. You know, behind the whole thing. I mean, like George Soros, this motherfucker. Like, there's no way this dude or George or, or Bill Gates or take your pick. Like that they really believe the shit that they fund because if they did, they're billionaires. Like, why not you give some of your billions to these people that you claim are so oppressed? Like, you don't believe this shit. You're not sacrificing yourself or like climate change. Like, oh, this is existential crisis because there's like, you know, autistic Swedish girls that have this fear because they've been told their whole life, oh, that's going to kill everybody. And yet they'll, they'll fund that shit and then go buy beach house mansions. You know, like, obviously you don't believe this stuff's happening and you see it you see that these people are lying they're like the wizard behind the curtain just manipulating people's fears and pushing this narrative 
And, you know, and then it's kind of like you feel, or at least I do, like really frustrated sometimes in engaging with people who are taking the smoke and mirrors bullshit from the wizard, you know, seriously. Like, we need to argue about the smoke and mirrors that this wizard's putting on because it's so scary. And it's like, dude, it's bullshit. Focus on the man behind the curtain. But they don't, you know what I mean? It's like that maybe if we could figure out a way to shift the conversation to that, you know, um, is like, like you'll see the memes and they do it pretty well where it's like there's different ones. One being uh, you see like a, a cartoon of, of like the Occupy Wall Street, you know, people black and white coming together like, you know, the banks have fucked us over. And then some banker is like at his desk saying, all right, now uh, roll, time to tell him about identity politics or whatever. You know, it's like this whole thing where you see the game they're fucking playing and you see the fact that this person who's arguing with you is just a fucking pawn willingly like being a useful idiot for some psychopathic elite scum and it's like it frustrates you on two levels because one you're like why are we even having this bullshit argument like it's it's bullshit you should see that it's bullshit but then um you know it it, it also forces everybody to not address this the real evil, which is the psychopath pushing this whole agenda. So it's like, well, that, well that's why I'm directing it to that, yeah. you know? Well, that's why I described it as arms dealing. And I knew it was be controversial, but like to some degree, I still think that's the case. Like in other words, like, again, I keep thinking about these people that just want to get through their fucking day. They just want to get through the next, in some case, the next hour. Like it's, it's very, it's, it's very weird. Like if you have like a, a thin, like sort of, skin i i say that about myself like where or a thin membrane or something where like you could walk in a room and you just kind of feel it you just feel the the thing happening you feel like the way that people are interacting with reality and it's just kind of like oh man this is fucking weird like this is bad like there's there and, and you it, the in, the instinct that i have at least is just so okay so so how can like you can how can you help like a normal person that just is trying to get through their day. Like, how can you give them some kind of shield against all of this stuff? Well, I think, and like, and like, and the, yeah, go ahead. I think what you do is you find something in their everyday life that's important to them that is getting interfered with by by all this stuff. So for yeah. everybody, it's going to be a different thing. But everybody experiences something that they're frustrated by, and they'll usually tell you about it in a short conversation. And so what I do is, you know, if like I'm sitting on a plane next to somebody and they start talking to me about something and like immediately, I, I don't, it's not like I intentionally do this. It's just, I care so much about all this stuff that um, it's just what I do when I talk to people, but I immediately start framing all the things that um, are frustrating them in terms of, you know, government intervention and all, all of these issues. And I find people are very receptive to that um, because it's, it's really not hard to connect the dots. Now, in that process, there's certain tripwires that have been planted by the, you know, media apparatus, oh. you know, that you don't want to step on. So, you know, while you're connecting those dots, you don't want to be like, and Trump's the best man to get. say no. <laughs> you know, he's really going to be able to help you with this. Is that guy that you've been programmed to hate with a visceral passion. No, like 
you you just in a very non-partisan apolitical way connect the dots between the things that they have concerns with and frustrations with in their everyday life and policy and you don't need to blame the policy on a particular political party or politician it's not necessary because there is a like we know there's a uniparty you know it's it's really those who desire for power to be consolidated and centralized and people that that don't um is really the fundamental divide um so I, normal people whether they realize it or not like they do not benefit from power being consolidated and taken out of their hands and put in washington dc you know they they don't and that's pretty easy to make that argument even to people that have been programmed to feel like that to feel like if all the smart people were in charge and everything would be good you don't have to search very long talking to somebody to find an issue where they're forced to do something against their will that frustrates them that they think is stupid, that they're forced to contend with, um, and then explain, hey, wouldn't it be nice if you had the ability not to do that? And then later down in the conversation, like, you know, they're kind of programmed to be frustrated with other people having freedom to do things that they think are stupid. And then you could remind them and say, hey, well, you know, that thing that you feel really strongly about that's the same kind of deal, right? Like maybe for that person, those are their values. And like, they really want to go do those things. And, and they think it's best for them. And they're like, yeah, but it's stupid. It's bad for them. It'll kill them. It's like, well, maybe that's how they want to live their life. Just like you want to make this decision. Um, and you're not able to, because somebody else thinks that they know better than you. And so like, there's, there's ways to do it, but the way that you do it is you don't transgress against those huge priors. Like, so there's these mass, this massive built up um, meta narrative of prior assumptions that are all completely divorced from reality. And if you let yourself use one of your priors that don't align with that, when you're making your argument, and that's stepping on a tripwire where all of a sudden it's like, like what? No, like that's like, that totally screws with that whole constructed meta narrative that they have and they can't internalize it because of uh confirmation bias. Um, so well, I'm, I'm curious, like what, what Harrison thinks of this, like in terms of logocracy, like, like where, because again, like we're talking about, and, and, I, and I have to admit, like, I'm not really even sure like what the, if there is an intersection between the libertarianism that Grant's talking about and logocracy as, as, as Harrison sees it, like, like, what would you like Harrison, like, what would you think ultimately, like if we were to inhabit like some sort of a system that again, like, like promoted both sort of freedom of expression, but in a way that, uh, that prevented. And I agree with you in many ways, like, uh, I'm still a student of yours, but like, I agree with you in many ways that like, yeah, there, there are perverse incentives. There is, there is a ladder of some sort that allows psychopaths to climb it and to ascend into these positions where, you know, they can, they can just, just sort of like, in my view, like they can just, they can just print out like the nth, nth number of weapons like to all of like their particular slaves um like 
can you can you figure out like what what would to you be the bridge from like like from a from a libertarianism of that Grant describes, which I kind of subscribe to, and to something where like okay, wiser heads prevail and can like stop can stop that ascension of like essentially uh, pathological um, um, rulers from taking control? Tough question. I'm sorry. That was a big question. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, well, you know, I don't know. I'll just say that. But um, if we just looking at like the past hundred years for, for precedence, then I would say that one like surefire way or one that at least has some precedent would be like like in the Eastern Bloc where you you get taken over like in the in like 1950 around that year you know late 40s early 50s and then you suffer for like 40 years and after 20 30 years of suffering you start kind of like building a a kind of totally decentralized bottom-up social network essentially that all of you kind of recognize that like all the previous divisions kind of fall apart you know previously rich people will be talking to previously poor people now they're all kind of like equally poor for the most part and people of different religions people of different ethnic backgrounds they're all talking to each other and they're all kind of uniting against that they all kind of agree well whatever differences we had it's nothing compared to the differences we've got with the 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 ruling power you know the state the the existing uh structure power structure and then during the 80s kind of a resistant movement a resistance resistance movement kind of starts up like solidarity in poland until everything kind of just reaches a critical mass of course there's geopolitics going on at the same time um but what and there's there's questions about all the stuff that happened afterwards but at least the, the dynamic was okay now we get rid of the people all of the people that were in charge um you know it wasn't done the, what it came afterwards wasn't done very well or you know ideally but that would be kind of the direction it's like suffer for a few decades until the 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 society of normal people as lobachevsky starts calls it actually starts getting along and organizing and then everything kind of falls into place after that there's no 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 there in that situation there wasn't even a need for counter-revolution or revolution however you want to like view it um that's one way of doing it that's one way how it happens now what happens afterwards of course is that's a whole other question that's at least seems to be the way that things played out this last time you know in the last hundred years um as for other options you know who knows there's probably a lot possible lobachevsky was you know he can he he saw um he considered himself not a revolutionary but uh an evolutionary an evolutionist in in the in the social and and um um historical sense not not necessarily from the like you know darwinian biological sense but that things develop most healthily most gradually um so just completely tearing down an existing system probably won't turn out very well um because in the process you destroy all you know you might be destroying and tearing down all the things you think are bad about the system but you end up tearing tearing down a whole bunch of things that actually um 
in retrospect, you find out were actually probably things that should have been retained. Um, so he wasn't a, a revolutionary in 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 that sense at all. Um, well, maybe maybe that's that's a good place to wrap up because because what I was thinking was that if we are writing about the same things, the the four of us here, but also lots of other people in our network, it would be about probably. And if there was any way that we could all be called right wing, it would probably be that we're writing about the things that need to be retained, which is a difficult subject and probably a subject that requires a lot more uh, time and effort uh, than we've uh, been able to supply today. But uh, or but, restored. Yeah. Or restored or restored. And like, and, and I agree. And it's just sort of like, so, so maybe this is a topic for a different time, but uh, I just want to thank everybody for uh, joining us on today's tonic discussions. And um, uh, we hope to see you soon. Thank you. And one quick thing to just add, Hey, if, yep. if you haven't already subscribed to it, the podcast, in case we get booted off of YouTube at some point, this is also available as an audio podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those other things. So look for it there. And of course, subscribe to our sub stacks and stay in the loop in case YouTube doesn't like our discussion of truth at some point. 